welcome to the Cedar House Church Sermon of the Week. Our desire is to remain in God's presence, explore His passions, and supply tools that serve and inspire our city. And so we are constantly walking around evangelizing to people but what does it look like specifically to do it in 2020? Um, th- there's been some, it's been a very unique time for me recently. There's been different things coming at the church and so on and so forth. You can come to the Q&A and ask me about those. But one of the things I've thought about is how do I evangelize to people who disagree with me? How do I evangelize to people who already know about Jesus? Wh- what does this look like? So I've been in prayer about that and I feel like God's got some keys for us to go through with that. So Let's just, first let's talk about the purest form of evangelism. It's telling people about Jesus. Evangelism is telling people about Jesus, telling people about the gospel, sharing your testimony with people. There are, as, as wild as it sounds, we live in a really Christian region, a very churched region. There are still people who don't know about Jesus. We have to have on the forefront of our mind that to tell people about Jesus, to tell people about the gospel of Jesus. And if they do know about Jesus, most of them don't understand what it's like to have a loving relationship with him, or they don't understand the kingdom of God. And so that's our responsibility to go and evangelize to people, to tell them about Jesus. Um, Recently, this is scriptural, but recently there's kind of been this wave of this, I'd say in the past 20 years, what we'd call power evangelism. So power evangelism is basically you're out on the street, you see somebody with a cast, you go up to them and you pray for them. Um, I've been around a lot of healings in my life. People's perspective changes on who God is when you touch them and their body feels better. They will think differently about a situation if you are willing to go pray for someone and that actually works. How many of you are thankful for when it works? I've been in around plenty of times where it doesn't work and I look like an absolute idiot. Lightheartedly saying that, but willingness to do that just to go pray for people. See someone who needs prayer, pray for them and their body changes. These these are things we need to be doing. How many of you know who Todd White is? Todd White's this guy, he's kind of the leader in in this movement to me. He just equips people through the love of Jesus to go out on the street and just pray for people. No agenda, no manipulation, just, man, God told me that your shoulder hurts. I'm going to pray for you, and the people's shoulder gets better. This is something that we do here, something that we do in the school of ministry. Those are things that we should be doing on a regular basis to evangelize to people who Jesus is. Um, I lived in Seattle for five years in my 20s, pre-kids. Now I have four kids, so I can't do this anymore. I'm joking. That's an excuse. But I lived in downtown Seattle, and so I could literally, like, walk to hospitals, huge, major hospitals. We're, we're within 10 blocks from. And so we would just go to the hospitals and pray for people. True story, I was just thinking of one this morning. Um, went to the hospital one time. It was actually me and my dad were there. And there was a woman, I don't know how to describe her. She had like a turban on with the dot on her forehead, whatever nationality that is. And she's in there. The, it's absolutely packed. You know, it's chaos. People are in pain. And I walk in there and just say, hey, I, I'd love to pray for you. I believe in Jesus. I think that Jesus still heals today. So she, I said, can I pray for you? I think your pain will go away. And there's a little bit of a language barrier. And so she, she agrees. And I said, okay, put your hands out like this. 
So she puts her hands out like that, and I touch her. I touch her left hand, and I just, she said her back hurts really bad. That's why she's there. She's really nervous. Her back's in a lot of pain. And so I prayed for her left hand, and the pain went away on the left side. And she looks at me with these big eyes like, I'm like, does it feel better? She goes, and she goes, pray for this one. Pray for this one. So I leave that hand, pray for the other hand, pray for that hand. All pain goes away. She is looking at me with the most blank stare. It's just like, basically, she said, what happened? And I said, well, Jesus loves you. And she's like, no, 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 not Jesus. And she's her God, one of the other gods. She said, no, uh, I believe in whoever. And I said, that's fine. You can believe anything you want. I'm just letting you know that Jesus took your pain away. And she's like, okay. And I said, you can leave if you want or you can stay, but I'm going to leave. And she's like, okay, just staring at me like I'm an angel, you know. There's another part of me, I'm like, it worked, don't talk anymore, just get away. Like, (laughs) hurry, oh God, I don't know. I don't know the formula, but just get out of the room as soon as you can. It feels better. Anyway, but that that was kind of constant. We've seen those here as well. The reason why I bring those stories up from 10 years ago is I was, I mean, I would literally pray for like 10 or 15 people a day. So obviously you pray for more people, you're going to see more people get healed. That woman may, I don't know where she is now, but I do know that she thinks, okay, Jesus is probably real or I need to consider Jesus being in my life. Amen. That's basic form of evangelism. Sharing people your testimony is huge. Telling people how what Jesus pulled you out from, um, the story of how you got saved. I know there's people in the room who used to be in extreme bondage that are no longer in bondage. And it's important that we tell people about this. So there's these outward manifestations of evangelism that are really, really important that we need to keep doing. Right now there's worship movements going on uh, in California and some on the East Coast where like four to 7,000 people are gathering and just celebrating Jesus. People are getting baptized. I mean, it's just, it's absolutely amazing. We need those things. We need to have those public, open, God is awesome, we're evangelizing to people. Um, Sean Foyt recently did a, uh, a worship day in Seattle and there was four to 7,000 people there. Um, we live, that's called Cal Anderson Park. When I say we live next to it, I'm talking literally we would walk to it like five blocks from that. To get 7,000 Christians on that land is a supernatural thing. Like it's unbelievable some of the stuff that's happening. So we need those things. I'm all for those things 100%. If you could just pivot with me a little bit and hold what I just said as true, we need to do those. And then I'm also just going to add some other things of what I feel like God is saying for us, for our community during this time. So first I want to talk about um, being relevant, being relevant in society. And when I talk about being relevant, I'm not saying change who you are to have people like you. Never saying that. I'm not saying dress a certain way so you're cool. Never saying that. And I'm really never saying change scripture so that you're relevant in 2020. I'm, I'm never going to say let's change scripture to be more cool in 2020. That's, that's never what I'm saying. But I am saying these principles can be transposed into modern society. We have to meet people where they are. Let me give you an example. The last of the prophets in the Old Testament was John the Baptist. John was where? Out in the wilderness, not in the city. Okay? 
Jesus comes in and ushers a new way, a new form of Christianity. Where was he? In the heart of the cities. So we don't stay on the outside casting judgment or just looking. We get into the heart of the city being salt, light, and leaven. Amen? Okay. You have to have some form of relevance to be able to connect with people. Again, I can't say it enough. I am not talking about performing or lowering the standard to be relevant to people. But I am saying in 2020, meeting people with where they are. If you try to have a conversation with them to get them back to the way it was in 1810, you have no relevance. You've lost your audience. Amen? Okay. So let me give you a couple examples. Social media. You may think it's the devil. You may think God is anti-social media. This is the medium of the way society is moving. So as Christians, what are we going to do? Sit on the side and become archaic, or do we be salt and light within the system of social media? Make sense? If we sit on the side and throw stones at it, the world is moving really fast in this area, and we can't just sit over here and just tell them it's wrong. How many of you have tried to tell someone they're wrong and, and it went well? <laughs> like, ever. Does that ever happen? Hey, you're wrong. Thanks for telling me that. I really received that word from you. I appreciate it that you're telling me that I'm a sinner. But that, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple examples of that. that. That is where society is. Now, I know the pros and cons of it, and I'm not saying everyone should be on it. What I am saying is that is the medium that we all have these platforms now, and that's the way society works. We have to be able to be up to date and up to speed on these areas to relate to people. Paul put it like this, be all things to all men. That's quite the declaration. But what I do feel like he's saying is just meet people where they are. Um, we don't hear about this much in the South, but where AI and technology and machine learning is going, how many of you have ever researched any of that? A little bit. It is frightening and awesome. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, dude, I want a robot in my house like bringing me water. That'd be really cool. But it's moving at a really fast pace. Whether you think that's the end of the world or the machines are going to take over, you can ask me that on the Q&A. For the sake of this, what I'm saying is that's happening. And it's moving really fast. And as believers, are we going to stay on the side and say that's the end of the world and not be a part of it? Or do we go get in with people and meet them where they are? I need a little bigger of a bigger amen than that one. All right, I'm going to literally jump to outer space on this one. Most likely, there will be a man that lands on Mars by 2030. And they're saying, very smart people in this space are saying, within 200 years, we might colonize Mars. All right. That is absolutely crazy. It's probably going to happen. Unless the end of the world comes first, that will happen. So do I sit on the sideline and say, oh my gosh, the devil's taking over, or can I meet people where they are? I know that's an extreme example. Can you just can you go to outer space with me for a second? The leaders of the movements of technology are saying this is going to happen most likely, and it might happen. So I don't want to sit on the sideline and say, that's the devil. It's not going to happen, because if it is going to happen, I want to be, be able to meet people where they are. All right, I'm going to come back down to Earth. Let's, the, a more everyday example. Right now during COVID, every, COVID everyone is doing these online learning right everyone's got kids they're doing online learning everyone's struggling with it how do we meet people where they are you like how i went from mars to covid learning down the street in shenandoah 
See how I bridge that gap? <laughs> um, anyway, being able to meet people where they are, maintaining some form of relevance, yeah, relevance to them is important. So Jesus called that being salt and light. So I'm going to read that. I'm going to read Matthew 5, verse 13 through 16. I'm going to read another NLT. So this is Jesus talking to the disciples. That means he's talking to us. You are the salt of the earth, but what is good? What good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot and worthless. Okay, so who is the salt of the earth? We are. That's not arrogant. That's what he said. You are the salt of the earth. He left us here for a reason. If the goal was just to get us saved, which is overwhelmingly important, he would have just brought us back to heaven when we get saved. He left us here so that we could be salt to people. Okay, now what does salt do? It adds flavor. Salt adds flavor, it extracts flavor, and it preserves. So he could have said it like this in a non-parabolical way. You are supposed to add flavor to society and everything you do. You know what that means? We make things better, not worse. As Christians, we extract the goods and the flavor around people in Baton Rouge. I love that so much. We're not supposed to be on the outside looking in. We are people who are salt in the middle of whatever sphere God has put you in. If you're in the nonprofit world, be salt. If you're in the business world, if you're in the church world, whatever it is, whatever your job is, be salt in that place. You actually add to, you don't take away. You are adding salt. You are adding flavor. And we have to be into inside the system of society to do so. So he goes on here and he says, you are the light of the world, uh, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Who's the light of the world? I hate to say it. He says we are. I'm not. This isn't an arrogant thing. He's, he's, what he's saying is, hey, you got to wake up. This, I put you on earth for a reason. You are the light of the world. And he says when you do good deeds, they praise the Father in heaven. So when we become light, when we illuminate things, when, when we allow people to see more clearly around us, they look at us and they praise our Father in heaven. We are salt and we are light here on earth. We cannot be Christians who just sit on the sideline. Baton Rouge needs us to be salt and light. People still need to know about Jesus. Listen, the Holy Spirit is within inside of us. That means we should be having the most innovative, fresh ideas, thoughts, uh, creative solutions in business, creative solutions for education. We have a cheat code called the Holy Spirit. And if we are engaged with him, it can deliver and be salt and light. You're on the winning team. Amen? Salt and light. All right. All that's true, and I want to give you, and I would never stay away from all the basic forms of evangelism, but I want to add three ways that God's been talking to me about, about what does it look like to evangelize in 2020. Okay, the first one is through excellence. Talk about excellence for a second. When I talk about excellence, what my definition of that is, is doing the best you can do with the resources you've been given for what God has for you doing the best you can do with the resources you've been given 
for what God has for you. When I talk about excellence, I'm not saying changing who you are, going in debt to do something crazy, um, trying some random craft to exhaust your family. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about doing things unto the Lord. Um, Proverbs 22.9 says this, If you see a man who does something with excellence, he will stand before a king, not before a layman. If you see a man who does something with excellence, he'll stand before a king, not before a layman. Excellence is promoted. Excellence gets influence. How many of you have seen someone who's really good at something? You're like, I'll do whatever they say within that area. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That gains influence with people. When you do something with excellence, in my opinion, it invites God's presence on that thing. One of the, th- one of the downsides of being a Christian is sometimes we get this, uh, we can, from the outside looking in, they could say, like, they don't do the best things. I'm just being honest. Have you ever heard, like, oh, it's a Christian donut shop, so the donuts aren't very good? Like, I don't have a donut shop in mind. I'm just saying, like, am I the only one who's honest about Christianity? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, they're Christians. And it's like, ah, oh, it's going to be great. That store's probably going to be awesome. Well, they've got to that point because there has been some truth to it. And we do need to be people who do things with excellence for the world to see that our God is a God of excellence. And everything we do, we do amongst, we do unto him. And God promotes excellence within the resources you've been given, doing the best you can do with what you have is excellence. Um, Here at the church, may not know this or not, but we have a snowball stand, we have a coffee shop. With the owners of, with the whole team of both of those groups, I, I sat down and I said, okay, I do not want the stigma of being a Christian thing. I'm not hiding it. That's actually, it's been funny. There's been people who thought we we're trying to hide that we're associated with a church. I'm like, we are in the foyer of a church. How could I possibly hide this? <laughs> anyway, uh, but I was like, I want to have excellent coffee. I want to roast beans. I want it to be excellence. I want the lattes to be awesome. I don't, I, don't, I don't need it to be better than someone else. I just, we need to be proud of this product. Why? Because that's we're shining light on who our father is. That's such an elementary example, but it's true. We, we're doing things with excellence. Whatever you do, do it in a way that brings praise to your father in heaven. We have organic snowballs. Come on now. An organic snowball, the simple syrup is organic. Me and Drew are the only ones that are excited about the organic <laughs> snowballs. <laughs> it sounds funny, though, but I, I, there, there is a hidden, not hidden, there is a motivation behind it that is, hey, we, we want to deliver excellence in everything that we do. And it's not about us. It's not about Cedar House. It's about Christians just doing things with excellence. Can I get an Amen evangelizing to people, they see that you do things with excellence. It'll shine light and they praise our Father in heaven. Last thing I'll say on excellence. King Solomon had, had be, uh, in the Bible, in the book of Kings, had did things with such excellence. People would come and watch how he would fold his napkins and lay his silverware out and the way that his servants stood next to them while they're eating. Kings and queens would come from other cities and nations, come in and say, your God must be God from the way that you do things. 
God, just think about that. Isn't that amazing? That's a biblical example of people praising our Father because we do things with excellence. Now, he was the richest man to ever live. So again, within your context, what does that look like for you? You may make $30,000 a year. What, what, what does God have for you to do within that, those confines? That would be excellence to me. Amen? All right. The second thing. So first is excellence. Second is character. All right. I, I, I feel myself as I get older getting a little bit more bullish in this area of having high character. Um, I'm nervous. I'm only 37. But when I hear the younger generation talk, it makes me nervous about how watered down purity and righteous living is. And I don't want to be an old head who just complains at everyone that you need to do the right thing. I'm talking about having a loving relationship with God, and because of that, you follow his biblical principles. I'm going to read Isaiah 5 to you. Listen to this. He says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. This is what he's saying. That there is a moral compass in our country that the enemy and society is trying to water down. We can't call good evil and evil good. There is one good, and we need to call it what it is. That there's perversion taking place in society, and if we're not careful, if we don't stand on scriptural truth, we'll begin to allow those into our life. This is not a polit- this isn't a Democrat Republican thing. I'm talking about scripture. I'm talking about standing on scripture and saying this is what scripture says. This is the way we need to behave. Living a pure life before God. Character will allow you to sustain anointing. Listen, you can have I've learned this in church firsthand over the past 10 years. Someone could have the greatest anointing in the world if they don't have character at last very short. Character is like the wineskin that God puts blessing, anointing in. Without living a high character, righteous lifestyle, it's really difficult to sustain over a long period of time. I'm not talking about perfectionism, and I'm not talking about that you can't make mistakes. But I am talking about standing on scripture and calling good, good, and evil, evil, and not not getting that line blurred. This is what happens. Because of our love and grace for people, we think that that means they can do whatever they want. Or because of the, we know that how much God loves us and gives us grace and forgiveness, that means we can do whatever we want. That's not what the Bible says. I'm getting on a soapbox. I'm telling you, I can feel it as I get older. It's not, we don't create Christianity and then find it in the Bible. We find this is what truth is, and we build our narratives off of truth. My experience doesn't even dictate it. This does. When, when Paul says, uh, no, 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 I'm sorry, Jesus, be holy as I am holy. My goodness. That is quite the standard. Be holy as he is holy. Hold your heart that way. Refuse to allow sin to take over your life. It's important that we have restraints in our life to say you can do this and you can't do this. And I I just, it's a big deal to me. I don't want my daughters, I have four daughters, 
growing up where there's perversion and they think it's okay, either because we've abused God's grace or society says it's okay. Because it's not. If you're a Christian, it's not. When people complain about something, I say, I'm like, you, that's what Jesus said. That Landon didn't come up with that theology. <laughs> you, are, you have to forgive somebody if you're going to be a Christian. That's not my theology. That's his. Don't let the sun go down when you're angry at somebody. I didn't make that up. He did. Marriage is sacred. That's what he said. I love it. I I just think that having high character, we we have to be on the, I mean this internally. I'm not saying go broadcast this anywhere you want. You could do whatever you want. You're a free person. I'm talking about internally not lowering the standard of holiness in our life. Can you guys do that with me? All right. (coughs) And thirdly would be longevity. I am a, I love this subject of longevity. Um, giving God your yes over a long period of time. How many of you have sadly seen people who are like on fire or they're walking with God and, and life happens and they, they either just kind of either go against God or just kind of become nonchalant? From an evangelism standpoint, I, I just... I believe it's really important to stay devout over long periods of time for people to see the fruit of Christ in your life. There's biblical examples, actually. King Solomon, the guy that I was just telling you about, he actually fell away at the end of his life. <coughs> he started worshiping false gods. As crazy as that sounds, I mean, this guy had an encounter with God. All of this stuff, something happened along the way and he began to worship false gods. You know, in our case, that could be money. In, in your case, that could be TV. That could be whatever it is to start giving an idol more attention than God. But I want to run with people and be with people who are on fire for a long period of time. Um, Bill Johnson is one of my kind of heroes uh, in the faith. And uh, he l- oversees a school of like 3,000 20-year-olds. And he tells them at the end of the year, he says, uh, anyone can burn for a season. He says, but if you're burning in 50 years, call me. I want to go to coffee. And I would say that really stuck with me. Like, I don't want to be someone who just burns for a season. I don't want to be someone who maintains a standard of purity for a season. Let's do this for a really, really long time. Let's give God our yes for a long time. Amen? So people are dying to know more about Jesus. They've seen it watered down. They've seen it abused. And how do we evangelize to people? It's, it's having your internal world be do, living a life of excellence, character, and having longevity in mind and believing that that will permeate into other people and they will see our good deeds and they'll praise our Father in heaven. Amen? Craig Chrishell is another one of my favorite church leaders. And he, I was, this session he did one time with all these church leaders, he said, guys, you don't, you don't get to tell people about Jesus. You have to tell people about Jesus. I was like, man, that's good. 
Like there is there is heaven and hell. Like that's what the Bible says. And it's important that we share Jesus with people. And I'm saying this to myself because I get I just I water it down and I some, I just don't have it on my mind all the time to go tell everybody about Jesus. But it matters. It really matters. Not scaring people into it. I'm talking about living a life to model the heart of the Father to other people. Amen? I'm going to pray over that, and then we'll, I'm going to have some friends come up. We'll give some prophetic words, and then we'll, we'll call it a day. Jesus, we love you. I pray that you would give a strategy from heaven on how to evangelize to people. God, I pray that we would be people who understand excellence, that do things um, unto you. God, I pray that we would be people who walk pure as you are pure and maintain a character level so that people could see your character on us and that we would be people who sustain for a very long period of time modeling the heart of the Father. Jesus, we want people to know about you and your kingdom and people who do know about you but don't understand you that we'd be able to model the kingdom to them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit cedarhousechurch.com.